Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the CSGO Hour. My name is Mike, and I'll be your host this week, as uh, unfortunately Jamaican isn't with us. But uh, I've got Mr. here with me, as always, and our guest this week is the Optic in-game leader, Snappy. How are you doing, Snappy? I'm doing good. Um, just been home for one day, so I'm still yeah, settling in, I guess, but I'm I'm good. All right, so I want to start out by going back in time a little bit because you joined this Optic team a few months ago, and around that time, we had a little spicy Twitch, Twitch longer, Twitch longer come out with Stanislaw saying a couple of, I don't know, I would guess uh, mean things about your teammates. Where Did you worry about any of this when his Twitch longer come out? Is there anything to it? Uh, I haven't really. I personally haven't experienced any of any of it. Uh, I can't really say what's been going on because I wasn't in, in the team at the time. Uh, but my experience is that I think he probably said a few things that probably wasn't entirely true. Some of it probably were, but again, I don't know. Um, I guess he had some f- problems in some of his former teams as well. So maybe some of the problems also stem from himself. I guess that a few, I, again, I can't really, I can only guess because I wasn't in the team. And obviously I'm biased because I play with t- uh, with three of the guys now. And I believe that they're all good teammates. So yeah, I I really can't go go deep into it, but. I haven't had the same experience. That's that's all I can really say. Yeah, there's always two sides to every story. So we haven't really gotten the Danish perspective from it, but uh, I guess we'll never get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely not. All right, so let's skip ahead a bit and go forward to Dream Agustin, which happened a few weeks ago, which was... A little bit of a disappointing event from you guys, I guess. So, how did how did you feel about Dream Austin overall? Yeah, obviously it was a huge disappointment, uh, but we also knew coming into the event that we wasn't really that strong. Uh, we were in in America, and to be honest, there were no good teams there uh, that we could practice because we had to play the good teams in either. Uh, Austin or in uh, the ESL qualifier and the teams that weren't there was Cloud9, Liquid, SK so there basically weren't any good teams, really good teams to play. Uh, We had a few scrims against, I think we probably had a few scrims against NIG that might actually not even be true, maybe that was at ESL uh, Dallas Uh, so we didn't really get any good practice in my opinion Obviously, we're still disappointed with the result, but I think it basically came down to the BO1 against Rogue because I don't think that Space Soldiers is such a bad team. We are a new team without a lot of practice. And even though that in the future, I believe we're going to be better than Space Soldiers, I can't really say that we necessarily are that right now. I I think the, the BO3 loss against Space Soldiers is something that we accepted, but... Obviously, we shouldn't have lost to Rogue. Yeah, did Rogue surprise you, or was it just like a bad game from you guys? Mm, no, not really. I think they did a good video and were really well prepared, to be honest. Uh, at the time, I didn't feel like we had a good Inferno. Uh, we had a good T side, but a really sloppy CT side. I think now that we were in Europe, we really focused on our CT Inferno, because we know that a lot of games is going to come come down to Inferno, and it's a lot of teams' middle ground. I I personally feel like we, we fixed that, and I also feel like we proved that against North uh, at this event, because uh, at, at, at Summer, because we lost both Pistols and the following rounds, and still managed to beat them, I think 16-11, and I think that shows that we worked on our Inferno, and we eventually fixed it because had we won both pistols that would have been a or just one of them that would have been a much more one-sided game 
So, um, with your guys' time back in Europe, do you think, do you feel like you guys are focusing a lot more on your map pool now? And like trying yeah. to expand it? Yeah, and obviously it also takes it, its toll because we could sit down and only practice like the two or three maps that we are really comfortable on and that we get like the wins on almost every time. But we tried to focus on improving our map pool uh, and play the free maps. I'm obviously not going to say which, but the free, the free maps that we feel like we're weak on at the moment. And that is obviously tougher when you only focus on those maps because you sit and sometimes you you just keep smashing your head into the wall because obviously those are the maps that doesn't work perfect. But I think we actually sorted a few of them. And now we only really have one map that I don't think we're comfortable playing yet, apart from our permaban, uh, which is catch, cash, as people can see, which I also believe that we're going to play soon, but time will tell. Uh, but I think with time and now that we uh, we're gonna have a, a longer break from tournaments we we have more time to improve on the maps and just get deep into it and try to to solve everything because obviously when we only focus on our weak maps then our best maps kind of gets forgotten and I think that's why we lost Mirage against Imperial at summer it's because we thought that map was basically uh, in the back. So we didn't really focus on it. And then obviously you're going to lack some things and forget some things when you go back to it. So I'm looking forward to when we feel like we have the structure on all the maps. And then we can just play all of them at the same time a little bit and just like keep thing, things going and add a few things uh, along the way. So do you think it's really yeah. difficult to practice all the maps in this uh, seven map pool system? Yeah, I I think every team have that problem, maybe apart from Australis, but yeah. everyone besides them. Uh, and I think Australis only have have it like that is um is because uh, their permaban was basically removed. Uh, so yes, seven maps is a lot, and it's a lot lot to like to maintain a good level on all the maps. Some of them is obviously always going to drop off and a, a new meta on the map might might happen. You can see like just just small things that change on maps because people find new nades or on Mirage, they change the skybox. So, you know, there can be a lot of smaller things that, that makes your, your map fall apart. It could just be confidence on the map. But... Yeah, I think I think it's hard to to practice all seven maps at the same time. I think every there isn't enough hours to to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. But uh, let's jump ahead a little bit to uh, this weekend at Dreamax Summer. You already touched on it a little bit, but uh, let's start with the groups where you were in a group with Gambit, Complexity, and Renegades, and it didn't really seem that difficult for you guys to advance from this group. So what were your thoughts like going into it and then what you were playing? We felt like it, it was actually quite different because in Austin, we felt like Space Soldiers was the team to beat. And those were probably the guys that if we had to go out, those that, that was that was the team that we could go, go out to. At this event, there were, there were probably more good teams than in Austin. So we didn't, we, we obviously had expectations of going to the final at least, uh, because that's really our goal uh, at these sort of tournaments, even to win it, which we sadly didn't. But we thought that we were favorites without being favorites, so to say, because we just had a terrible result at Austin. So people probably weren't going to look at us as the favorites, but we also knew that our team with time should be the favorites as at this kind of tournament. So we were confident going into the group and, uh, I guess it went easier than we actually expected uh, in the group stage, at least. Yeah, because I think some people were maybe overestimating both Renegades and Gambit to a little bit of an extent because they've been looking not quite as good lately as they've been in over the last few months. So I don't know if you if you were looking at it like that. Yeah, we we felt that if we played like our game, then we should be able to to go out of this group. Uh, all it's it's always like 
a little bit shaky when it's BO1. Uh, you can always lose a BO1. If you lose both pistols and have some unlucky rounds, then you can lose it quite fast, you know. Um, yeah. But but we felt like when uh, when we got to the BO freeze, we would have the upper hand on most teams. But then again, we lost to Renegades in the Cologne qualifier in America. So we weren't going to underestimate any opponents in the group. And I think that right now we're still a new team. So when we don't, we don't have a fallback plan on all maps yet. So if our, let's say, default or some strats don't work, then we don't have a lot of history on the map. So we can just go back in our playbook and say, okay, let's try this instead. And that's why as a new team, uh, you can't really take any, anything for granted, at least here at the start, because our routines isn't really set yet. Uh, in our default, I have a lot of uh, trouble adjusting my own game right now because I'm literally looking at the radar 10 times what I'm used to doing. Uh, but again, I, f I really think that's due to us being a new team. And I think with time, that's going to get better. All right, so moving on, you get guys then play North in the semifinals. You, so uh, I'm Mirage, last 16, 13. So like, what do you think went around during that map? specifically uh i think i did a terrible call in the second round on t side uh and then we just had a, had trouble catching up <clears throat> i think we eventually got five or six t rounds in the end but we should have had a much stronger t side and i i really kind of played mind games with myself so to speak because when you play a domestic uh a match like that we know a lot of the stuff they do but they also know a lot of the stuff that we do and because of that you get scared to call certain things and i think i was overthinking my calling at times on uh, on both mirage and train i think i called perfectly on inferno but i did some pretty bad calling on both mirage and train so i think i think it's it's mostly down to that and then also on ct we we were actually in a position to win it when it was thirteen fourteen, but we lost to a a, a pistol buy uh, where they did a, a default A execute I think, and that's really why it crumbled in the end. Uh, we had we had the chances in my opinion to win Mirage, we just weren't good enough to 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 use them. Yeah, so going into a match like that, I can expect. I could uh, suspect that there's a lot of rivalry going on because obviously Config and Cajun came from North. You played with Elder before. What's it like playing North? Uh, is there a lot of rivalry? Does it mean a lot? Yeah, that's definitely the team that I want to beat the most. There's there's one thing that is that, like, as you said, a lot of the players have history, uh, which really puts a lot into it. But then also it's just like, it's a rivalry be between number two and three in Denmark. And like for now, we aren't close to Australia. So I don't think anyone in the world is. So like North is obviously the team that we need to beat at the moment. In the future, we, we obviously hope that's going to be Australis instead. But right now it's North and yeah, there's a lot of history, as you said. Uh, and I don't think that any Danish player uh, in the two teams can say that they root for the, the team, then they would probably be quite fake. Yeah, we obviously know Config likes to do a little bit of shit talk in public. Does he, does he do a little bit when you play as well? Does that, does that happen? What? Config's uh, shit talk. He, does a, he likes to do that in public. We've seen that with the complexity match. Does he like to do that when you play against North or against complexity maybe? like talk trash about the other team yeah uh i think to be honest i think that's a pretty common thing for players to do just to like downplay the other team just say like this guy's shit because of this and this and just really make just downplay the strength of the opponent uh i think it really doesn't matter if you're playing Astralis, which is number one in the world or whoever you're playing you always try to downplay the other team and i think I don't think Config is the only one doing that, to be honest. No, we've definitely seen that also when, back in the day when they released the comms, we could see that from like Envious and teams like that. Yeah, but, uh, I think it's normal. Yeah, for sure. 
But uh, you went on to the final, you faced the Imperials. Did they surprise you? Because obviously most people didn't really expect them to win the final. Uh, I think we played a terrible game, to be honest. I played terrible. Yugi played terrible. Uh, I think other players didn't perform well either. Uh, I think we just we just got outplayed, to be honest. We weren't there individually. And that's why we lost the match. We knew that. We knew that actually we didn't wanna. I didn't really wanna face Imperial because they're a team of like FPL players, and if you're not there, there individually, then you're probably gonna lose to them. Uh, where I feel as Gambit is more controllable, so to say, and also against a team like Imperial, we are huge, huge favorites. And. Right now, a month into the team, I don't really think that's necessarily a good thing to already uh, to already be favorites for for a final. Uh, but I mean, we weren't there individually, sadly, and I guess it really comes down to that, and that's probably the reason why we lost it. Uh, yeah, that's it, really. So, Mister, uh, tell me about Imperial. Did you have any expectations for them going into the event? Uh, I didn't. I don't know really. I know I like Esperanto and Nuki, I think it is, but I didn't really expect them to make it out the groups. And they really surprised me. They just have really insane skill, in my opinion. I don't think they have that much of a structure, sort of say, compared to like other teams. So that's why they can catch you off guard if you're not like firing on all cylinders that day. Yeah, that definitely seems to be the case where they can either have a bad day or they can just be fragging out and you know, surprise people maybe. So do you think maybe Crystal has come into the team recently? Do you think that has had any sort of impact on them? Um, I guess to a degree. Uh I don't know who I don't know who's IGLing for them anymore. Crystal. Crystal, yeah. Yeah, Crystal. So, so I guess it's worked to a degree now. They've won two events on the two different IGLs, so I guess whatever's working. This is obviously is working now, so I hope they can make the the minor or the close qualifier. So I guess we'll see more. Yeah, Snappy, what do you think about they're Crystal? Not in the, they're not in the close qualifier. Not, oh, did, uh, did they not qualify? Nope. Oh, wow. That's a bit surprising, actually. Yeah, uh, that's... Yeah, they should be there. Yeah, so uh, Snappy, give me your thoughts on uh, Imperial and maybe Crystal as an in-game leader. To be, to be honest, I don't know much about Crystal, but it's pretty obvious, I think, that the players are really individually skilled. Um, I think that's a team that can play like like night and day. And I think we also saw that because I think they got literally destroyed at to us against Hellraisers or something like that. Yeah, uh, sure. So I think it's a team that if they play well, they can pretty much... Obviously, they're not going to surprise Astralis and teams of that caliber. But I think it's a team that can definitely surprise all teams out of the top five uh, if they if they play well and if they have a... They're probably super experienced. So I don't know what happens on their team speak, but you could like suspect that maybe when it doesn't go that great that there's a little bit more tilt maybe than on more experienced teams. Um, but I think they have a really high skill ceiling and yeah, that's why they won two tournaments. Yeah, definitely. So another team that I want to talk about at this tournament was uh, a team that I personally expected to do really well, which was North. So they had a bit of an up-and-down performance, I would say. Like, they lose the opening game to Imperial, but they do come back and defeat both Red Reserve, which is the former godsend, and they also defeated AGO, both in best of threes, and they obviously have the close game against you guys in Optic. So what do you think about North at the moment, Snappy? Are they on the right track? It's hard to say, really. I'm not in the team, but obviously they they had uh, better results lately than uh, they had, like, for, yeah, I guess, since E-League uh, last year. So they must be like it obviously works better for them at the moment. Uh I'm not convinced that they can ever like be a, a top threat again like they were like they used to be. I don't think they will, because uh, I think they lost too many skilled players. I think 
uh, Cajun Config Magisk. Uh, I, I don't think that there's enough players that can replace them, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I don't know, to be honest, they could have went out earlier in this tournament. I mean, they won 11 out of 12 pistols against uh, AGO and Red Reserve, and I think it really comes down to that, uh, why they even progressed uh, from the group. They could obviously have beaten us as well, uh, but I don't even think we are close to reaching our peak yet. Uh, but they had a... Again, I don't think they played up to their best at this tournament. I think they showed it to us and... Uh, what was the other the tournament star series that they can play a lot better. So with time, they might surprise me. Uh, I think that it, it's definitely going better lately and coming into the majors soon, that's a, a step in the right direction for them. No matter what, it's like they're up and down. I still think Valde is like the, the outlier in this team. Like he's constantly performing every tournament. Yeah, he's definitely a great player. And... I mean, that's a guy you played with in the past as well, Snappy. So, what do you think about Valde? Do you like him as a player? I assume you do. Um, I think he he have really good spray, uh, and I think he's really good with utility. I I also think he has some weaknesses, uh, but a lot of players have that. So, I mean, he's a solid player, uh, but yeah, I guess I guess. Uh, I guess you should probably ask his teammate right now uh, because I haven't played with him for for a year now. So he probably developed a lot. But I think his his biggest strength is probably um, getting himself in pretty good situations and, and his uh, utility usage. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of weaknesses, uh, another team that was at this event was uh, Renegades. And they didn't really have a good showing. Uh, they lost 16-5 to Complexity, and then they lost 2-0 against Gambit and went out in last place. So I don't know if you guys in Optic prepared to face Renegades. Did you expect to face them at some point, or did you just expect really them to do badly? We really didn't prepare for, for, for anyone except for the opponents that we knew we were going to face. So I actually... I, I didn't even look at Renegades this tournament. Had we uh, beaten, uh, had Renegades beaten Gambit, we would have done it. But since they didn't, we didn't do it. Messi, tell, it, tell it, me about Renegades. It seems ever since they lost, like Kassad left, this team is, that looks clueless now. It's like they don't like Nifty's IG. The uh, consistency has gone down more, and like I'm Kassad must have helped him a lot because this team looks lost now. I don't know what they're gonna do, in my opinion. But yeah, they definitely look a lot different ever since they lost Kassad. I like I'm not sure why they got rid of him or if he chose to leave. Do you remember Mist? If they if he left the team or did he get kicked? What was the official story? Pretty sure he left. He left, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense because I'm not really sure why you would kick him from the team, but yeah, they definitely maybe they need a new coach. I'm not really sure about that. But uh, speaking of teams that are a little bit uh, in shambles right now, FaZe was at ESL1 Belo Horizonte, and they won the event despite having a stand-in. They had a Chroman standing in at the event, and they managed to beat Bound Sports in the final with a 3-2 scoreline. So, Snappy, I don't know how much of uh, ESL1 you got to see, but uh, did you, were you impressed by this FaZe team at all? Uh, I think there's no denying that FaZe have uh, really incredible individuals. Uh, they have a top three player in the world. Uh, Rain last year to like the latter of 2017 was probably a, yeah, I guess top three player in the world as well at that time. He dropped off a little bit, but still a really solid player. Guardian is a super good orb and yeah, Kerrigan is a solid in-game leader. So I'm not really surprised that they're doing good, and especially because I think Croman is really underrated. I played him a lot in practice when he played in some of the Norwegian teams and Indignities. And I think every time we practiced him, he always did in, uh, insane. So I think the potential was always there, and it was really 
about him getting the chance. Obviously, he got the chance on the second best team in the world, so that's a, a really good chance for a guy like Kim. But I wouldn't really be surprised if if he's gonna be be full time in uh, in phase, especially since he's Norwegian. So he's probably gonna. I don't know how 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 they mesh together him and Rain, but uh, I'm guessing that Rain would probably be happy getting a Norwegian into the team if Olaf doesn't come back. Obviously. Yeah, at the moment, it doesn't look like Olaf is coming back anytime soon without having much insight into it. But, but from what they've been saying publicly, it's not really looking good at, at least soon. So maybe Croman could be a permanent fifth missed. Tell me about Croman. What's uh, what do you think about him? Uh, I agree. It's Snappy's point. I think his like skill scene is like super high, and like we're finally seeing the potential. Like when he stood in for heroic at EPL finals, he was by far their best player in that tournament. They made a decent run, almost making the playoffs. But, and at Belo Horizonte, he was like, really, he stood out a lot when like players like uh, Guardian and Nico went missing. He stepped up again. He stepped up time after time. And I I could see him being a permanent fifth and it'd be a good fit for FaZe. Yeah, for sure. So another team that had a stand in at this event was Mouse Sports. And I think the standard situation was a little bit worse for them because FaZe had already been playing with a stand-in for a few events, while Mouse Sports lost their, some would say their best players, and their best player, rather, and one of their all-star players, their Orper in Oscar, and instead they had nothing standing in, a guy who hasn't been playing competitively for quite a while. So they surprised most people and made it all the way to the final uh, where they even took face to five games. So, Snappy, what did, did you see Mouse Sports much at this tournament? What do you think about him? I actually didn't see much of uh, Bella Horizonte. I watched a little bit more of the CSGO Asia because the times fit better when, when I was able to watch it since we also had summer. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised they. I'm not surprised they did that good, but I'm surprised that uh, Chris J did that good uh, because for him to come in and play like that, and I think he was really, I don't know to be honest. In my opinion, he was probably even though they lost, he was maybe even the most valuable player in, in the tournament. I know that. Most people would probably say it was Nico, which they are probably right in as well. But I think the fact that Nico came into a position, obviously he's been an orper before, but he comes into a position where he has to in-game lead orb. Like, I'm really impressed by him, but I am also really impressed by him when he he just plays the, the rifle, to be honest. I think he has super much skill. Every time I watch him play, he, he plays a really sacrificial role in the mouseboards team i think he runs first a lot when it's like really not fun to run first and i think he have much better mechanics than what people give him credit for and i think that if he actually got the chance he could easily be a star player yeah i was definitely impressed by christian at this event it's pretty incredible that he can go from being kind of a sacrificial lamb, like you say, with a lot of energy fragging positions, and then he just comes in and is basically like a star orper. But uh, nothing at this event as well. After being out for so long, he was quite impressive as well. He he probably wasn't the best player on his team, of course, but he he did his job. He did all he needed to do, basically, to make Mouseports do well. So I don't know if you what do you think about nothing missed. Uh yeah, he impressed me a lot too. He showed that he can, like after I think it's been like almost a year since he last played competitive that he can still play with like the top tier, and to make it to the final with him was pretty amazing for Mouse. Yeah, I was definitely surprised that they made the final, and it seems that they beat to uh, make the final uh, for Mouse Sports. It was SK Gaming, a team that uh. Definitely the crowd wanted to see in the final based on, well, it was basically one of the wildest crowds we've ever seen in CSGO, I would say. The crazy Brazilian crowd. There was even, there were some issues at times, like uh, 
them spitting a bit on people and uh, stuff like that. But uh, let's let's leave that. Anyway, SK Gaming, they they probably wanted to do really well at this tournament, but I think they kind of went back to their disappointing ways. So, uh, Mister, uh, tell me about SK Gaming at this event. Um. It's still like I don't think they're like progressing that much still. Like they showed some good things here again, but with the multiple IGL situation still going on for them, and to lose the mouse or a stand-in showed that they're still not like making the progress they need to. They need to be to like get back to their like for, <laughs> their form that they usually hold. So I don't know what they're gonna do. Now, like, Snappy, what have you felt about this new SK Gaming? Mm, I don't know, really, to be honest. I feel like when they brought in Stewie, they sacrificed uh, speaking in their own language. And I think that's a bi- pretty big sacrifice to make. I understand why they wanted to do it if they could have, have had Symbol. But I'm not sure that it's worth it uh, for a player like Stewie. And I'm not saying that Stewie is a bad player at all. It's just the fact that they might have to think a few extra seconds every time they give info, uh, info, and every time that they basically sit down and play a situation, uh, it might not come as natural as it usually does. So I, I'm not sure that the trade-off is worth it. Uh, I think that time is only going to help them, but... I mean, they they are probably a bit impatient soon uh, themselves uh, without knowing. Uh, I don't think that they're going to wait for it to work like for much longer. Uh, I don't think, obviously, they haven't done terrible, but for their standards, they have done pretty bad. Um, I don't really know. Also, the fact that I think Stewie is a pretty similar player to, to Phelps and from what I understood, they didn't really feel like Phil, Phil's guilt in that well because he was kind of the same player as, player as Fur. I think that Stewie is actually kind of similar to Fur as well. And that's why I'm not really sold on this. I think they need a more like a, a team player that's just going to pick up his role and not be. I think Stewie thrives when he's allowed to do all of his aggressive stuff. But I'm not sure that there's room for it on SK. Yeah, that's definitely a good point about the Phelps comparison. So do you think they should have kept Taco in the team? Uh, I'm not sure if Taco was kicked or... I don't know actually what happened. Uh, But obviously, they didn't do well with Taco in the end as well. I'm not sure that Taco was the right choice, but I definitely feel like... this is just my opinion. I could be wrong. I I'm not inside the team, so they probably know it a lot better than me. But ha- getting a Brazilian player that's skilled, I don't know which player would be the obvious choice. But in my f- from from where I'm sitting, that seems like the more logical choice because then they can still speak uh, Portuguese and uh, communicate in the, in the native tongue. So I would say that that would have been the right choice from my perspective. But again, they might know something within the team that I don't. So who knows? Yeah, it's definitely a little bit weird that they didn't go with a Brazilian option because you see all these lesser teams coming up, but we've discussed it in the past where there might be these crazy buyouts in the Brazilian team that we saw with the Team X having these crazy buyouts, even though they are not the biggest team in the world. So that might be the reason, who knows? But uh, another team that went out in the semi-final this event was Team Liquid, which is probably a team that most people expected to win this event, or at least make it to the finals since they had their full lineup and they've been doing pretty well overall. But uh, they can't really seem to get the job done in the end. They always seem to finish top four or top two. So, Snappy, why was Team Liquid missing? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I think that they have some really skilled players. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's actually really hard to say what, they, what, they're, what they're missing. Uh, I'm not sure that Taku is necessarily did it the right choice for them. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he'll go back to SK and, and they'll get Stewie in return. <laughs> and all will be good in the world. 
Miss, tell me about Team Liquid. What they what are they doing wrong? Uh, they don't have a dedicated opera. That's the biggest issue for me. I see. I just don't. I think I think Nitro's gotten a lot better with the opera. Like I still think it holds them back to a degree. Like especially on CT sides. So it's just another disappointment for Liquid, in my opinion. And we're getting used to this now. Yeah, they still really haven't won that big event. That's kind of shown that they've gotten over this hump and this was just another one that we all expected them to win we're still waiting for that liquid win but uh maybe it'll come someday so uh there was a third tournament taking place this weekend just to make everything crazier there was the csgo asia championship where navi were the favorites and they got the job done they won the tournament symbol was the mvp as usual although his performance wasn't Quite as good as usual, he was still fragging like crazy. So, Snappy, you said you watched a bit of the CSGO Asia Championship. So, what do you think about Na'Vi and what uh, what do you think about them as a team in general and maybe Zeus as an in-game leader? I think the team is really solid now that I think uh, a lot of the attention is on Symbol, which is quite obvious since he's probably the best player in the world. Uh, he is the best player in the world at the moment. There's really no doubt. But I think that Electronic really turned out to be a star player. I mean, if Symbol wasn't there, you would definitely say that Electronic is a, a real star player. And he really gets the job done at every tournament uh, right now. And I think he's been doing that for a while, actually. Uh, so I think the combo of Symbol and Electronic is really the reason why Navi is so good because they have two of two of the most skilled players in the world, and I would say that Electronic is, without a doubt, a top ten player in the world at the moment. Yeah, for sure, I would agree with uh, Electronic being a top ten player and <laughs> Simple being the best, of course. But uh, I think we've seen a little bit of the rest of the team step up as well. We've seen Edward do quite well at these recent events. These uh, it was Star Series and then this event as well. He had a pretty good showing so if they can keep that going they should definitely be up there but uh, another team at this event was uh, NIP and they recently made a change getting rid of uh, Draken adding Lecro and they didn't really have a good showing they went out in the quarterfinals losing to Tyloo so missed uh, do you think that this uh, Lecro move is going to work out or does it just need more time I think Lecra as an individual was outstanding this tournament. I just don't think, I don't know how Dennis Igelian is going to work anymore. Be, what, now? They played well, but like I've seen the stat that Nip haven't won a playoff game since when they won Oakland, which was like eight months ago now. So I think Lecra really performed well in the forest, was in the top five for statistics too. So being beaten by Tyloo, Yes, I think Tyloo, yes, they have a stand, but I still think Tyloo is really good. Like, they're on the rise for me. But it is disappointing for Nip, of course. But they're brand, they just added a new player. So, obviously, you can take that in the context. Yeah, for sure. Snappy, do you have any thoughts on NIP? Mm, I think that Licker is a, a really skilled player. So, I, I think that. I think that NIP is going to get back on track. Uh, I think that this was a, a roster move that just happened right before. And obviously, they don't have the time to, to fit him in straight away. Uh, but I think that NIP is, is a team that can definitely surprise the bigger teams when they play well because they have so many individually skilled players. Uh, so it's really just... It's, it's about them hitting... Uh, hitting their top form, then I'm, I definitely think that, that every team should be scared of them. I'm curious about your thoughts on this whole orping situation, because now we talked about Team Liquid, do they need a main opera? And now we see NIP obviously getting rid of their main opera and maybe rotating, rotating it around a bit. And, but you guys in Optic obviously have a main opera in Yuki, so do you think it's necessary to have a main opera, a guy that picks it up all the time, or...? Can you do without it? Mm, no, I don't actually think it's necessary. Uh, I think it's a good idea to have a dedicated Orber on CT side. 
but I'm not sure that it's that important on T side to be honest. Uh, so yeah, on CT side, I think it's really good to have guys that feel really comfortable with it, uh, and it's definitely a strength. But I think it's, I think the best solution is actually like having an orber who's also really good with rifles because on T side, a lot of the times I don't feel like it's beneficial to actually have the orb. Why is it not beneficial to have it on Seaside? What's the? Could you elaborate a little bit? Really comes down to the map. I don't think that uh, maps like I don't think that maps like uh, Inferno, Nuke, uh, Mirage uh, comes to mind. I think the 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 main the main maps that you really needed is probably maps like you don't even need it on Seaside train if you do a lot of executes, but on maps like does too. It's like key. You have to have the orb on C on T side to control. I would actually say it's the most important uh, half to to use an orber. Uh, and on 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 T uh, orb pass and train where you get a lot of long distance duels is probably also a, a really good idea. And obviously you can on all maps as an orber you can get picks. But the thing is, if the picks doesn't work for the orber, you you have to have a fallback plan, and that's why I feel like it's really. That's why I feel like players like Symbol and Device, uh, Oscar, uh, Yugi, for that matter, and my own team, players that are really skilled with the rifle as well. Those are the perfect orb orbers because they can be dedicated orbers, but they can also pick up the rifle when needed on T side. Yeah, that's definitely a huge strength. And I think on CT, it's a it's a totally different story. On CT, having an orber is like crucial. Uh, but to be honest, I don't think that I think that people probably put people into boxes more than than what it should be. Uh, you could see that device symbol, uh, my maybe even Oscar as well. They weren't orbers, but yeah. Yugi as well. They weren't orbers really. A lot of people can actually orb a lot better, but since they play the rifle, people just assume that they aren't good with the orb. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. But then you also have guys like obviously Guardian and Kenny S who are just kind of orb specialists. They can obviously still play the rifle, but you definitely want that orb in their hands to get them at their maximum potential. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I, I also feel like a lot of the times it really comes down to people putting them into boxes and, okay, this guy is an orber, this guy is an entry fragger, and I don't really think that these boxes fit. Uh, and I think it's kind of like... I think it's a simplified way of, of, of seeing a player because I know that, like, I played on teams <clears throat> where, like, the best... Like, the orber wasn't the best orber. That's not the case now with Yugi, but my point is that you have to maximize every player uh, and get the most out of every player. So let's say that a player is like 20% better with the rifle, but only 10% better with the orb than the other player. Then you want him to play with the rifle because that's how you maximize your potential. And that's why I feel like a lot of the times when people put all of these players into the boxes like this is the orb or this is the entry uh, fragger this is the lurk i don't really buy into it so what do you do when you sort of set up your teams like do you say do you not say oh this guy is the entry fragger obviously we see config entering a lot we see yugi on the orb a lot but is it a lot more flexible than that yeah, it's a lot more flexible. Uh, obviously, there's always players that like to go first and some players that definitely doesn't like to go first. Uh, I think in, in our team, Config is probably the guy that goes first and then me and me or Gate will also do it. And I think that guy like Cajun, he feels he feels like he has more value. And I agree with that when he, he gets into the clutch situations instead. Uh, so he obviously won't go for a lot of entry frags. So... I don't think you can just say this guy is the entry fag on this team because usually it's a lot more floating. In this team I'm in right now, you could it is Config who, who mostly does the entry, but that's not because I told him to. That's just because he he I mean he goes for it really and he takes a lot more chances chances that the other than the other players do. Uh, and he also has to free them like the roles to do it. 
but it's not like when we set up yeah i i think it's 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 quite hard to kind of explain but let's say that we have two lurkers on the map and conf config takes takes map control then config isn't going to be the first one into the site if that makes sense yeah, but you obviously will get a lot of entry duels taking the map control. Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. So uh, I just have to take a moment to shout out our sponsor, pregame.gg, because it's time to queue up for the pregame hubs because they have leaderboard prices for all divisions. There's cash prices for both the advanced division and the contender division. And the contender division is even free with a $1,000 a month cash prize. But don't worry, if you're in the novice division or the advanced division, you can also win a prize because you have the chance to win a one-on-one -on -one coaching session or demo review with an experienced coach. So go to the pregame organizer hub and join pregame.gg. Use the code CSGOHOUR to get an additional 20% discount. And like we mentioned last week, pregame will be hosting the online qualifiers for Fragadelphia 12. So you can follow on Twitter for a chance to win some trial codes as they lead up to the qualifiers. So don't forget to register for the Fragadelphia 12 Summer Sizzle Qualifier. It's a great opportunity for teams who cannot attend the offline event to still compete. For instance, the first place in the qualifier gets $1,750 of worth of entry and travel assistance funds. So if you want to qualify for Fragadelphia 12, pregame.gg is definitely where you want to be. So let's transition into a bit of news because one thing that happened this week was Fnatic made another roster change. They brought in Draken to replace Golden. Kind of an expected move, I would say, because Golden in this entry fragging role didn't really seem to make a lot, whole lot of sense. So, Mr., what did you think about this move? Uh, to touch on the Golden, though, I think Fnatic have, like, completely, like, they, like, forced him to do this. Like, it sucks for Golden because, like, they showed so much promise and potential and they won two tournaments with him and he showed, like, he showed, like, a new tactical element to this team that they haven't seen in, like, a couple years. For him to get kicked for Draken, I think it's an okay move. I don't, I'm not sold on the exist IGLing. Yet, but I'm excited. I'm really excited to see his team at Cologne. So, yeah, it looks like JW will be moving back into the rifle role and presumably moving into that entry role that Golden weirdly was put into in the past. But, uh, Snappy, these fanatic changes, what do you think about them? Uh, I don't know really. I think that I think that the the core of the team is really solid, JW, Flush, and Crims. Uh, I think that... I actually think that losing Lecro is a loss, but I also think that getting Exist for Golden, and yeah, that's a that's a, a upgrade, so to say. So I think they're kind of like the same as before. I'm kind of interested that you say that Exist is not great over Golden because that's something that a lot of people would disagree with. So why do you say that? I think you have more experience. I think that, uh, I think that, to be honest, Golden maybe wasn't ready for this level. Uh, I think that, I think that he's a really, uh, he's probably a skilled in-game leader. I don't know. To be honest, it could be someone else calling half of the shots. Me and you don't know that. But looking at him, it seems like he needed like more confidence in the team. And it's really hard when he comes in as the new guy uh, and have to control experienced players like those. Because like he will have, like if he doubt himself, he have double the the responsibility, and I can like relate to that because when you come in, there's like there's two ways that I can lose my confidence. One is individually, but then I can also lose my confidence if I'm like doing some bad calls and stuff like that. So you really have to be experienced as an in-game leader, in my opinion. To unless you're you're so you got some sort of like crazy uh, confidence. Uh, 
then it really takes its its toll on you because he he probably get adjusted a lot by by players like this and if if he doesn't have uh, a huge uh, confidence uh, build up then he's probably going to have trouble controlling this team that's what i could see from the outside being a like a thing that could happen i don't know if that's exactly what happened but that's something that i I think might have been the case. Yeah, I could definitely see that it seems like the team lost confidence in him because you had that whole rumor around, I think it was before Katowice maybe, where they were talking about kicking him and getting exist instead. So, Yeah, but that's what I mean. That, that that's, that's like, I think he's more skilled individually than what he showed in the team because when he played in the team, he li- he didn't look, uh, look skilled individually but if he have the responsibility to call and also call for such experienced players like if he also plays bad and if if he gets like critique for some bad calls that might get to him and then he's it's just gonna it's like only downhill from there if that makes sense and that's why i think that the task was maybe too big for him uh and i think that golden will come back in another team and probably lead them well but i'm not Obviously, it's a downgrade for now, but for his career in the future, I I don't necessarily think this is such a bad thing. No, I could definitely see the point there. So I think one difference we've seen between maybe the Swedish scene and the Danish scene is that at Denmark, you have basically like five different top in-game leaders and you have a bunch below that. While in Sweden... Uh, there's kind of like two, maybe, maybe three, and then below that you have some some in-game leaders that are either like you have Pronax still playing in Digital Chaos, you have Hampus who's coming up, of course, but there's not really like the same amount of in-game leaders or even the same quality of in-game leaders. So, do you have any thoughts as to why that is or why that could be? I think it's probably because like there's a general idea that the in-game leaders are always what much more uh much worse individually and that might be true in some cases but in a lot of cases it's also because like the in-game leader is also the guy that always sacrifices he takes all the bad spots so obviously he do- he doesn't get all of the eco frags he doesn't get all of the confidence that some of the star players might get because they get like most of the better positions then also, like I think that really it comes down to in Denmark, there's been players who just said, "Okay, I rather want to win and sacrifice my own game," and that's really something like because a lot of like experts or self-pronounced experts put it out there that this and this ind- uh, individual is actually really p- poor. I don't think that's necessarily true because I've seen a like. Tons of good, like tons of in-game leaders that drop off like massively, and you can also see that with star players when they try to in-game lead, they drop off massively. Like that's pr- like pretty normal. So I think like a lot of players don't want the communities to think that they are so bad individually, and that's why they don't want to become in-game leader, even though some players is really suited for it. So you talk about the experts, but don't you also think it's a thing where players will go, oh, this guy is performing really badly, even though he's in-game leading, so let's just kick him from the team, and I'm a star player, I'll just be the in-game leader, and I'll be really good. Maybe in... Not in Denmark, at least, but like I don't think that's the case in, in the better teams. Uh, I think that you can see that in in teams like FaZe, Na'Vi... Uh, Liquid uh, teams like that, the in-game leaders doesn't really frag, but like I don't think that there's really anything questioning that Nitro is a pretty good player individually. But when he leads, he he doesn't put up like great numbers. But there's a reason for that. He have to control the game and have his eyes on the radar half of the time. Uh, he can't put him up to play, uh, put himself up to place that much because. One of the things as an in-game leader is like I sort of feel guilty, um, guilty sometimes when I set myself up, because like 
if I set myself up, I could have set another player up. And then you, you kind of feel guilty because, like, you want to do the best for your teammates. And I think that's the, like, you. I think you need to, to find a balance. And I think that's why Astralis are so successful right now because the players in the team, like, Glaive is a is an in-game leader who plays a lot of really good positions. And I think that the team realized that he, on, like, he can lead on T-side, but on CT-side now, he plays a lot of the uh, rotate spots and impact spots, so to say. But that's because he's so good at communicating and controlling the team, so he needs to be in the action. And I think that's actually one of the reasons why Astralis are so successful. Obviously, they play as a unit and like are far above everyone else. But in-game leaders sometimes, myself included, sacrifice too much. Uh, and that's probably why a lot of players who could be really good in-game leaders don't want to be in-game leaders. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely... That's definitely a good point. I mean, but you see, you see some players that want to transition into it, like maybe a Rubino or who else, like an HS, where it doesn't really end up being successful, even though they want to make that transition. But uh, we did have some questions as well, so uh, Mister, uh, take it away. All right, this one comes from the Optic Gaming Reddit from a user with the name Base God. He said, um, "How has Gade developed as an individual and a team player?" Uh, I think Gade is really easy to work with. Uh, he takes critique in a really, really good way. Uh, so, like, I don't think there's a lot of issues with him. He have insane aim. Like, I think that within the the next year, he's definitely going to be a, a much more improved player. I think what he really needs is experience and uh, like he he has some weaknesses. Every player does, uh, but I like the basics is there. Like he has the willingness to learn. He has a huge uh, mechanical skill and like he's really, he's a really humble guy. So I think that he's going to develop really fast because there's a lot of players that don't really want to, like, they think they know better. That's not the case with Gate, and that's why I think that he's going to improve a ton over the next uh, few months. So, I'm curious, like, uh, a lot of people will be talking about this support role. Is that something you think Gate is going to be good at, or do you have him playing a different role, or do you not even talk about a support player in your team? How does that work? Mm, oh, not really, to be honest. I don't know. Like, the support player idea is often really overrated, in my opinion. There's players that are good at communicating and helping teammates, and then there's players that aren't. And a ton of the players that's been called support players that I played with were actually not even, like, by no means good at supporting other players. And then I've played with really skilled players, which is amazing at it. Uh, I think, like, yeah, that's really how you can put it. I, I guess a guy like Nico in Heroic, he was a guy who was, like, set out to be, like, every, they, they really said that he was the star player in Heroic for, for some time, which he definitely was. But I also think he was the best support player, so to say. All right, so another question we had. This one is from our Discord from God Pancakes. Uh, when you go to watch another team's demos, what are a few of the things you immediately look for? The first thing is obviously the, just the default. Where do players play? And uh, like, let's say we play a team where there's a guy who always plays B apps on Mirage. If you shoot him on A, that's really a tell that the B player can like push or just leave B instantly because he's never in another area of the map except if the team want to hit it. And then there's just like, obviously you look at what strats they have and if they fake the strat. Uh, but like the most important thing is actually as simple as the default because that's really how you can read the game. Uh, what like a lot of teams are really set in their defaults and like they don't change up a lot, so that's really how you can counter best, in my opinion. That's just by looking at the default on both sides. 
All right, so we got one last one from Optic Reddit. He asks, "How would you rank Denmark's IGOs and what's each of the main streams? You have yourself, Kerrigan, Glaive, MSL from the big teams, then also whoever heroic and f- okay, that part disregard. Just how would you rank the IGOs in Denmark between you, Glaive, Kerrigan, and MSL, and like what are your guys' main streams? Do you think?" I don't really think I'm the the guy suited to uh, to to answer that question because obviously I'm biased, but I don't think that there's any doubt that Glaive is the best in-game leader. Like I think he proved that with Astralis. Uh, I think uh, at the moment it's Glaive uh, because his team is number one in the world. But again, I'm biased, so me sitting here saying. This guy's better than this guy, and I'm better than this guy. It's probably not gonna <laughs> like be that objective. So I'm I'm probably gonna pass a little bit on that question. Okay, so I just want to add a bit. So, like, as an IGO yourself, what do you think is your biggest strength? I think, like, to be honest, I think my biggest strength is like putting knowing when uh, to pull off different strats and also controlling uh, the team's economy, uh, uh, making sure that we maximize uh, our, our our money and basically know when, when we need to do different stuff. Uh, I think that one of my bigger weaknesses, and that basically also comes down to to me not having run this like on certain maps i'm really good at running defaults but there's also certain maps where i'm not that great at it and i don't necessarily think it's only my fault i also think it comes down to the fact that when we were in a heroic uh i think we were a skilled team but we still weren't as skilled as some of the others uh other top teams like we weren't where astralis and face and mouse and teams like that are individually so we had to like do more stuff together so running a default isn't necessarily as effective for a team like heroic or uh where i played as a team like astralis where the players just individually are better so i think that's probably something i have to evolve now because i play in a team where i think that there is more individual skill uh i guess time will tell but that's probably one of the things that i have to improve on And I guess while you can't like rank the other in-game leaders in Denmark, what do you think some of their biggest strengths are, like Kerrigan and Glaive and MSL? I think uh, I think I would say that Kerrigan's biggest strength is probably being like a puggy in-game leader, and I think that's probably pretty good for a team like FaZe, where people are so skilled individually. I think his greatest weakness is probably adding structure. Uh, but, I mean, that might interfere with his style. I don't know what his view on it is. Um, he's probably disagreeing. I guess all I'm going to say is probably going to get disagreed by, by those guys. But for a guy like Glaive, I don't really think that he has that many weaknesses, to be honest. Uh, I think sometimes on certain maps, there is certain maps where I don't think he's a such a, a great in-game leader uh, but in general I think that he's like super solid uh, and for MSL I think that his style is probably too easy to read into uh, because I think a lot of the stuff that North does is like brute forcing and uh, being like a lot of guys in the pack together just like overwhelming a side and I think at times, if you look at them, it kind of gets a little bit obvious where they want to end. All right, so... But that's also his biggest strength, so, I mean... So it's both a strength and a weakness at the same time. It's a strength because, like, when it works and the teams doesn't really stack up where where they hit, then being together as a unit and having, like... A set plan on how to go into the site is also a, a good thing so like i guess yeah Th- this is just my opinion so 
I guess I guess I could be wrong. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense. All right. So thank you for coming on, and uh, we'll see all of you next week. Hopefully, remember to follow us on Twitter at CSGO Hour and. Join the Discord if you want to ask questions to our guests like Snappy or our future guests. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Goodbye.